The setting is Shaw Island, Middle Saranac Lake, Ampersand Mountain, and the surrounding Adirondack region. The time is the summer of 1912. Billy and his pal Butsy set out to camp on the island, and this is the story as he remembers it. During the summer of 1912, my pal Butsy Delling and I went camping on Shaw Island, Middle Saranac Lake, or Round Lake, as it was known locally. To me, it is the most ideal site on which I have ever camped. The island is mostly rock with a clean shoreline. It is covered with a fine growth of spruce and birch with a few white pines. There are clearings on the island for several tent sites. On every side, the setting is pleasing and peaceful. More islands are visible, and low hills are rolling towards the St. Regis country to the north. To the west, woods and water, and to the south, the Stony Creek Mountains. To the east is the foreground, the hills surrounding the village of Saranac Lake. Looming in the distance is White Face Mountain. But the most distinctive and dominating feature of the horizon is Ampersand, which rears up to the southwest. While not high, a little over 3,000 feet, it is an awe-inspiring sight with many light and shadow changes. It shines fairly in the bright light, but it is the darkest and most somber mass of woods and rock that one is apt to behold when in shadow. Ampersand seems to challenge one to climb it and find out what lies beyond the imposing mountain. As Butsy and I had quite enough of mere camping, we got at our geographical survey maps, some of which were too old to be fully trusted. We managed to map out a trip over and around the mountain, which we believed would bring us out somewhere near Lake Placid. Then we packed food and supplies and started up the trail. It is about one mile from the island to where we would start at the trailhead. This point was at the southeast corner of the lake, at the end of a sandy beach. Once we secured our canoe, we started our hike. After one half mile, we crossed a road. We were now leaving civilization behind. There, the trail began to slowly rise, running not far from an alongside brook. A few minutes in, there was an abrupt turn to the left. Ahead of us, there was another trail that continued straight. We turned to the left towards Ampersand Mountain, and after about one and a half miles of gentle climbing, we came to the forest ranger's cabin. The cabin marks the one-mile point remaining to the top of Ampersand. The ranger was talking to another hiker, but he welcomed us as well. He told us that there was no trail going down from the top of the mountain to Ampersand Pond, which had been our primary objective. He said that the path we had passed as we climbed that went on straight instead of the one on the left that we had taken was the trail that led over the mountain's shoulder to Ampersand Pond. He also told us that the climb to the top from his cabin was very steep, so we decided to leave our packs with him to lighten our weight and press on up the trail. When we reached the top, we could see the pond and a lot more but it had been the most challenging climb I had ever made. Ladders had even been put up at steep, difficult places to make it somewhat more manageable. But as it was, 
We had a wild scramble over rocks and through some muck in some areas. A splendid panorama unfolds before one's eyes from the top. I counted 28 bodies of water that I could see from the top. Off to the south are the highest mountains in the Adirondacks. Long Lake can be seen with glimpses of Tupper Lake, Saranac Lake, and St. Regis. It is no wonder why Henry Van Dyke, the famous American author, educator, diplomat, and clergyman, thought so highly of Ampersand. Van Dyke spent summers in the Adirondacks vacationing. He climbed many of the high peaks and cherished the views from Ampersand as an amateur photographer, writing, quote, It has been my good luck to climb many of the peaks of the Adirondacks. Dix, the Dial, Hurricane, the Giant of the Valley, Marcy, and Whiteface. But I do not think the outlook from any of them is so wonderful and lovely as that from Little Ampersand. And I reckon among my most valuable chattels, the plates of glass on which the sun has traced for me, who cannot draw, the outlines of that loveliest landscape. End quote. After enjoying the beautiful and fantastic view, we started back down to the ranger's cabin. Once there, we gathered our packs and were determined to head back down to the trail leading over the shoulder of the mountain. We were confident with the trail information from the ranger, and even though it was after 3 p.m., we decided to continue to Ampersand Pond. The trail was clearly marked for a quarter mile, but then it became so indistinct that we had to search for blazes on the trees. Instead of turning back, we were encouraged by spotting some blazes and continued to follow them until they gradually disappeared, and the trail faded from view. By this time, we had gotten over the shoulder of Ampersand, and we had gone further down the mountain. We thought that we must surely be close to the pond by now. After hiking for a short while longer, we reached a ravine with evidence of an old lumbering operation scattered around, but there was no lake or pond within sight. Thinking that the pond must be behind the next ridge, Butsy climbed a small pine to get our bearings. All that he could see were trees and more trees. It was at that point we knew we were lost. There seemed nothing to do but continue hoping we came upon the pond or a familiar feature. We went down into a small valley where the going got harder and harder. Fallen trees and tangles of brush made the going very difficult. With our heavy packs, it was effortless to stumble and fall. We had run out of water, and we were very thirsty. We realized we might be going in circles. We were very disoriented, and it was getting dark. We came to water that looked like part of a swamp, and we were very questionable about its safety, but we drank it anyway and filled our canteens because of our extreme thirst. After going a little way more up a knoll, we cut some bows for a place to sleep and a fire for tea with darkness setting in. We both had lost our appetites because of our situation's fear and uneasiness, but we heated the water on our little cooking pot and made comforting tea. We tried to sleep, but there was no sleep for either of us that night out on our uncomfortable beds of bows. Though our situation was not yet dire, I wondered if I would ever see home again. During the night, there was some thunder and lightning, but no rain. 
but around daybreak, it began to rain heavily. The only covering we had was a poncho, both thoroughly soaked. I got out the map and compass and tried to get an idea of what we should do. The compass, as it pointed north, went straight toward a wall of rock. I recalled reading that once people are lost and confused, they are apt to question the compass's validity. The author of that article recommended that the hiker scratch on the back of his compass the letters D and N. This designation is there to remind you that the dark end points north. I had done that with mine before the hike, and it was fortunate as we had become disoriented and bewildered. The rain continued to pour, and a fire at this point was impossible. I was so hungry that I ate two raw eggs. We put our trust that the compass was accurate, and off we started stumbling down a slope, slipping and falling every few strides and falling over logs. We began to ascend and caught sight of what appeared to be a blaze on a tree around 50 yards ahead. Sure enough, we had come upon a trail as we continued to see more blazes. Relieved, it looked at last like we would eventually find our way out. Forgotten were the rain, hunger, and fatigue as we hiked up the ridge. More blazes and a faint footpath appeared, and we were on our way out. We reached our canoe at Middle Saranac Lake in two hours, just where we had left it. And in 30 more minutes, we arrived at our island campsite with our tent welcoming us. Never did that tent look more inviting. What perfect rapture to lie on dry blankets. And after the rain stop, we cooked and ate a tremendous meal. Our adventure was over. We had been lost but found our way out. Though there seemed nothing dangerous in our experience of being lost in the mountain wilderness, we were terrified while going through it. It could have turned out much worse. Today, our story is from over 108 years ago. Yet you can still camp on Shaw Island and accurately recreate the trip to the summit of Ampersand Mountain and Ampersand Pond. The Saranac Lake Islands Public Campground and Day-Use Area features 87 campsites, five lean-to sites, outhouses, hiking trails, and a boat launch. This area is accessible by boat only and is a popular and fantastic area to get off the grid. Campsites are located on the islands and shorelines of the middle and lower Saranac Lakes. Site 71 has Shaw Island all to itself, and you can travel by boat to the path to the trailhead to Ampersand Mountain. This path is located right next to Site 68 on the beach and near a day-use area. The trail will lead you to Route 3, where you cross the road and are at the trailhead to Ampersand Mountain. The trail to the summit of Ampersand is 2.7 miles at an elevation of 3,353 feet. Its open summit provides breathtaking 360-degree views. While the first half of the trail is relatively easy, the second half is steep and strenuous. You will find the remains of the forest ranger cabin at the 1.7-mile mark. Abandoned long ago, rubble is all that remains of this building. As in the story, the rest of the climb is challenging. The footing can be slippery, especially during wet weather, and erosion caused by years of heavy use and water runoff has created a rocky trail. Fantastic views at the summit will reward determined individuals. 
narrated by Ian Scotto, written by Beverly Fraser.